Hi folks, I am Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 6th of December, it's 2010. Now, newcomers to the show, look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website and help yourself to the hundreds of audio audios that are up there for download and listening to. I cover a broad range of topics, but it's really on the big system you're living in and how we got to be where we are. Uh, the big forces behind it, the agencies behind it, the foundations behind it, all of that kind of stuff is what I touch on and I try to give you shortcuts to understanding the big picture because you truly are living in a managed society. It's completely managed, including what you do, what you think, what your topics of conversation are, uh, the fashions you wear, what they're going to be next year, 10 years from now, and the kind of societies you're, you're going to live in in 5, 10, 15, 20, all the way up to maybe 50 to 100 years' time. That's all in the works, and you're actually living through the changes without realizing it because you're the most adaptable species on the planet, as Darwin said. Now, when you're in there too, remember that you are the listeners who bring me to you because I don't bring on advertisers to sell the products, and that's how generally hosts make their money, which is fine. But I've got more leeway by doing it this way, and uh, so it's up to you, that the audience, to support me. So if you want to buy the books and so on I have for sale, uh, then go into cuttingthroughmedius.com and choose and pick what you want. There's a lot of discs and DVDs and so on to choose from as well. And you can pay by personal check from the U.S. to Canada. You can use an international postal money order to Canada from the U.S. You can use cash. Some people just send cash. PayPal to order or donate as well. If you want to order through PayPal, just send the donation followed by a separate email with your name, address, and the order, and I'll get it out to you. And across the rest of the world, it's the same idea. You're kind of restricted to Western Union, which is kind of expensive, I think. Um, MoneyGram is a bit cheaper. And PayPal, again, to order through the donation button as well, followed by a separate email, to say, with your name, address, and the order, and I'll get it out to you. And remember, too, donations are... Very welcome indeed, doesn't matter how small it is either. And I'd be very, very, I'd be living very well right now if everybody sent 50 cents or a dollar per, per week or per month. Believe you me, because there's thousands and thousands. Listen, but we live in an age where everyone thinks they're living in a, everything's free. And they're being taught to think that everybody, everything's free as you get led into the bigger cage, of course. Because nothing in the world out there is free. Nothing. Nothing at all is free. Every program that you download on your computer has a catch to it, whether you know it or not, and it's all to do with monitoring you and basically putting it in your little cluster, because we all belong to clusters apparently, with your habits and your social traits and the topics that you like and the forums you you join, uh, even the clubs you might even actually physically go to. Uh, They keep track of all of this kind of stuff and the chit-chat between you, you and all your friends, as they say, so that they can put a personality profile out on you 
and have an, an ideal exact duplicate of you working in big institutions like the Pentagon. And I've read their, their official sites when I went into that particular article where they say there's a, an identical you for everybody in North America in a virtual reality. And all your updated data daily is taken with all your exchanges and added to it so that you can be predictable. And they run tests on virtual use to see what you would do in different situations. You know, talk about managing society. It's a doddle, as you say. It's easy. It's very easy to, to manage society with the technology that's out there today. It's always been pretty easy, mind you. And in all ages, really, where we manage very, very well. We're taught all we need to know. Now, that's the music coming in, so I'll be back with tonight's topics after this break. Hi, folks, I'm back, and we're cutting through the matrix. You know, as I say, we'll be managed down through the ages very, very well because the public are taught all the they're supposed to know, and I mean supposed to know, not just what they need to know, but what they're supposed to know. And there are terrific minds down through the ages too who helped kings and queens and then governments as advisors and on how to do it. These are arts that are very ancient. And, of course, there are archives. I touched on that last week. There are admitted archives that Bertrand Russell's talked about to himself where he, he said that uh, very few would get access to these particular archives and, um, and that even in universities too, each branch of the university, each area, each specialized area would be run with elderly men who would keep it that way for the students coming up. And the students would simply do what they were told and do experiments which were already done so many times before. And that's what research is. You're searching what's already been done before. And, of course, these elderly men would make sure that you would go out into the world, uh, never knowing that there were sciences and experiments way beyond what you've been trying. And that keeps everything in a kind of status quo, because the elite themselves must keep the high technology and the high sciences to themselves. Otherwise, they would lose power, lose control over the general public. Now, Russell said it this as well in The Impact of Science on Society. He said, he said, the completeness of the resulting control over opinion depends in various ways upon scientific technique. Where all children go to school and all schools are controlled by the government, the authorities can close the minds of the young to everything contrary to official orthodoxy. Printing is not possible without paper, and all paper belongs to the state. Broadcasting in the cinema, movies, are equally public monopolies. The only remaining possibility of unauthorized propaganda is by secret whispers from one individual to another. Now, he was also talking about what was, what was already up and running uh, when he wrote his book back in the 30s. And uh, you had, we had the Soviet system, of course, doing everything that's coming in here in the world now. It was already been tested out in the Soviet Union. You had the rise of Nazi Germany, too. And all of the techniques were being used by both of these totalitarian powers because they were both socialist in structure. And socialism will always go this way. But it says here, too, it says, Children at school are taught that it is their duty to denounce their parents if they allow themselves subversive utterances. 
in the bosom of the family. No one can be sure that a man who seems to be his dearest friend will not denounce him to the police. The man may himself have been in some trouble and may know that if he is not efficient as a spy, his wife and children will suffer. All this is not imaginary, it is daily and hourly reality. Nor, given oligarchy, is there the slightest reason to expect anything else. Now, that's what we're living in today. I've gone through the Rees Commission in the past. I've gone through Norman Dodd's report. He talked about, too, there's a, a documentary up in, or a, an audio, a video up in YouTube, I believe, with him talking about the commission. It was commissioned by the Congress to go in to investigate the non-profit organizations, the big foundations, as they call them, to, to find out why they seem to be promoting and funding with incredible amounts of money uh, the big um, so-called far-left uh, associations and movements. Why would multi-millionaires, why would the biggest capitalists on the planet be funding what seemed to be the far-left movement that they thought, of course, in Congress and so on, uh, was is, is opposite? And they got close to the truth because uh, some of the CEOs of the big foundations, like the Ford Foundation, admitted that they took their orders directly from the White House, and they also said, because the White House even then was run by the CFR, it comes from foreign relations, according to Carol Quigley. And they also said their job was to change the culture so drastically in America and in, the, in, and in Europe that it would blend seamlessly with that of the Soviet Union. Eventually they'd come together in a third way, you see. And this is what we have now. We've got the blending of the two into this third way. And it's, it's, they had to have a war to kick it off, so they got the war on terror to kick it off and get, really go forward with it because you can get more done under a war scenario with taking rights away from the public. Since I've tested all this before, even in World War II in Britain and elsewhere, you can take all the rights from them, you can get them on rationing if need be, and the public will tend to obey and do what they're told. And there's less grumbling amongst them. So they needed a warfare scenario. Bingo, they got what they want because they make things happen. And the whole world is now under a form of totalitarianism. And the, the trick now is to keep the public uh, in perpetual warfare scenarios where it's one thing after another. It's financial crashes. It's, it's terrorist threats. It's one thing after another. And, of course, all correspondence uh, is monitored exactly as Russell talks about. And even when you whisper to someone, you wonder if it's a third year somewhere because there's so much gizmos and gadgetry out there, you never know. I read an article recently where the Pentagon had put in a massive uh, order for all these little drones, spy drones. Some of them apparently they're working on uh, look like birds, literally look like birds. They can sit on your telegraph wire and... Uh, listen in and follow you, even up corridors and so on. That's the world they're bringing in. And everyone out there will think, well, they won't bother me, I'm not important. Well, you understand, everyone is a variable in this big system. Every single person out there is a variable. That's why they want you to, to be putting all your data up on the net every day and texting and all the rest of it so they can monitor you in real time and upgrade, as I say, the virtual you that they have in big super-cray computers where they can 
put their tests out and see well, what will Johnny do and in this position or that position, what will he do? And they're generally right, as I say. All kinds of stress tests and so on that your virtual you is put under, they're pretty well on the ball. That's the kind of world they're bringing in. Someone asked last week about it too, about the cell phones and buses and so on. And what I'm, I'm saying is that with the cameras, etc., everywhere, that's all part of training you too, training you that this is going to be forever. The surveillance society is to be forever. And the war of terror or war on terror, I call it a war of terror because they always have a war of terror when they have the next part of the revolutions, has to train you for as long as it takes and it'll be forever, I think, ongoing, that you are always under surveillance and you will behave differently when you are under surveillance. You will, you cannot be spontaneous. And what they do too is as you're traveling in buses or trains or whatever, and you're chatting on your phone, that's all done in real time. They know exactly where you are. They'll know why you're going there, by the way. They'll know who you're going to see. They'll pretty well predict what you're going to talk about and so on. Because everyone, as I say, is a variable. Maybe a little knock on the head or a fall might wake you up a bit and you'll start behaving erratically and then they must use the knowledge they have on you to try and get you back under control. That's how terrified they are of someone that might get an idea. All technology, of course, with private enterprise, with the big international corporations, are on board with this big agenda. Every single one of them. I've gone through the list before where IBM calls its big meetings, and any corporation that's any kind of big corporation is right there with them, on board with them. I've given up their links and their sites and so on to show you who all these corporations are and what they do. And it's pretty well, uh, these are corporations really run every aspect of your life, right down to your food supply, everything. That's what it's about. You understand that if you want to conquer people, you must make them helpless technically without them knowing it. Most folk think they can always go to that grocery store and pick as much of that stuff that they eat whenever they want it, I think that will always be like that. Even though the big boys themselves have said they're now in the process of doing what Karl Marx said they'd do, which is a redistribution of wealth, that's taking your money, robbing you, to put to international corporations that will base themselves in third world countries. And, as I say, you've got to be very predictable in how you'll manage that or accept that. And most folk, again, as in all ages, we accept whatever the master does. Russell said, too, that uh, this dictatorship that would come in, he said he, he would go along with it if it was a scientific dictatorship. He'd, he said it will be horrible, it will be ruthless on the general public, but it must be so. And he was all for it. Because he helped plan a lot of what you're going through today. He and many others like him, in big think tanks that worked with uh, people from all kinds of departments of society, to bring in what they call the big society, the world society, run with scientific supervision and really a conveyor belt system from birth to the grave. That's what he was talking about. And that's what we're going through today. Now, here's IBM today, in fact. It says transportation for your cars and their smart cars are coming out. It says, the next time you're stuck in traffic, think about this. 
as smart as our cars have become, our roadways are about to get a whole lot smarter. I remember talking about this years ago when I saw posts getting put in along some of the highways every 100, 200 yards with little devices on them. I thought, well, that's for tracking, obviously. Then I found out, of course, not only had the, the cars been uh, had, had got these little tracking boxes in them, they also had embedded chips in the tires themselves. The manufacturers did it. They've done that for quite a few years. Anyway, it says building new roads and new lanes often just isn't possible any longer, but building intelligence into the roads and the cars with roadside sensors, radio frequency tags, and global positioning systems certainly is. In Stockholm, a new smart toll system has reduced traffic congestion and carbon emissions. They all get on the bandwagon because they're all working together for the same goal. So carbon emissions by impressive percentages. That means they've taken a lot of cars off the road or dissuaded people from driving. That's what that means. Not because it's great technology. Technology has many different um, purposes. And part of it can be to oppress you until you just get off the road. But they go into all the different things they can do. And uh, they're all working with the Internet of Things on this site. I'll leave it for you. There's a lot of videos they have up there from the IBM site itself. And you can see what they're up to, at least what they want to tell you they're up to right now. Whenever they tell you they're up to something and they show you videos on it, they've already got it. Uh, What's to come, they won't tell you at the time. And what's coming next year, they won't tell you at the time, at least most of it. Maybe 1% will tell you. But it's got a whole bunch of things, and they're working in different countries worldwide. This is a worldwide project. Uh, And, of course, everything will be linked to central computers for the planet. That's what this is all about. Now, part of it, too, is the the re-engineering of society. I read an article last week, again, from Bertrand Russell. I gave a quote where he talked about needles, injections, you know, and and injunctions, he said, would... Well, actually, that's the music coming in, so I'll be back with the rest of this after this break. Hi, folks. We're back, and we're cutting through the matrix. Uh, I mentioned a, a quote just before we're off the air there uh, from Bertrand Russell, where he said that diet, it was diet injections and injunctions, would, he meant also obviously coupled with psychological indoctrination, but he said that would produce the perfect citizen that the, that the oligarchies or the, the ruling class wanted. And I think personally this has been done. Uh, lots of them were involved with, to do with neck, uh, injections, inoculations, to find ways of targeting specific parts of the brain uh, that what they called, called um, stopped world peace from coming in. This part of the brain that made you you, that made you upset at times when something went wrong or someone was oppressing you, uh, they wanted to eradicate that part of the brain. And I think they've done it with a lot of people to be honest with you. Which means, of course, that the military-industrial complex, of course it did, it had the big pharma on board from the beginning, the very beginning. And you'll find the same people who own the big shares in big pharma are the same ones who own the big shares in everything else across the planet. There's not that many of them. The big shares I'm talking about, including your food supply, regardless of the company they talk about investing in. There's only five big agri-food businesses out there. Now here's an article here and it sounds very official like all these things do. 
and it's from the Toronto Sunnet, and it says, uh, it says uh, Ottawa, Canada needs a national vaccination registry so no child misses out on being immunized, a public health group says. It says the Canadian Public Health Association says a registry would help the government track how many people across the country. Now, that's not children. First, to say it's children at the top, you see. Now it says, track how many people across the country have been vaccinated, as well as whether children who move between provinces are up to date on their shots. In a report to be released Monday, the association says Canada needs a national strategy, the core of which would be the registry and coordinated vaccine schedule. Experts who contributed to the report fear children miss out on immunization if they move between provinces because some are on different schedules. Not all provinces pay for the same vaccines either, leaving out poor families in some area. See, it's vital, like in televisions, it was vital at one time that all citizens of Britain got a television set. The government made a project to make sure they became affordable for used and reconditioned sets and easy payment plans. China has the same policy in right now, and so has up-and-coming India. So, believe you me, it's some, something more than just making sure you don't have the occasional cough once in a while. And who are they, these characters? Well, again, it's the Canadian Public Health Association. is a national, independent, not-for-profit, voluntary, that's charitable association, representing public health in Canada. So, did you know that Canadians all have the CPHA, as they call themselves, this voluntary uh, association, who represent you and your health? And they're actually, of course, uh, they, they have their social motives and social plan to go along with it, of course. And uh, they also work worldwide with the same things in every other country, the same non-profit association worldwide to make sure we all get our dumbing down shots. The ones that give you chronic fatigue syndrome and all of that kind of stuff. Which they know darn well about too. This is the world you're living in. You understand what, what Russell was talking about was a multi-pronged attack on you, your physical health. When you're not feeling too, too energetic, you're no problem to any totalitarian government when you don't have any energy. Your mind is sluggish. And you'll go along with anything to get along and survive. Quite simple. And then we find the big guys too, who the multi-billionaires, who all suddenly hit the magic number of dollars and want to drastically reduce the population's planet. No matter what they got their money in, suddenly they're philanthropists that want to kill you. Amazing, isn't it? And from the Globe and Mail, we see Ted Turner, another member, of course, of the Lucky Gene Club with Bill Gates and all those guys who want to do the same thing, bring down the population of the planet so it's left for the better types, the ones that, that natural selection would say should go on into the next world order without all of you, with the defective types. It says, Ted Turner urges global one-child policy to save the planet, of course. Climate change and population control can make for a politically explosive mix, as media mogul Ted Turner demonstrated Sunday when he urged world leaders to institute a global one-child policy to save the Earth's environment. Mr. Turner spoke at a luncheon where economist Brian O'Neill from the U.S. National Center for Atmospheric Research unveiled his study on the impact of demographic trends on future greenhouse gas emission. A little discussed subject given its political sensitivity. So, 
It says Mr. Mr. O'Neill or his study concluded that a rapidly rising global population is contributing to an acceleration of emission growth and that widespread availability of family planning could reduce the amount of emissions reductions required in 2050 by as much as 30%. So, see, that's what family planning is all about. It's abortion and sterilization for those who still give money to charities that uh, go out for women's issues in the third world countries. These guys are telling you what it's really for, if you understand what they're saying. And by the way, I'll put up a a link to a video, and you'll hear one of these so-called specialists at the the, the, the NOAA project, National Oceanographic, and whatever else it is, the guys who do the weather for you, a professor, by the way, uh, you'll hear him giving a speech in front of all his supporters uh, for the, the eco-groups of the Greenies and saying the same thing. We need vast depopulation. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, we're back and we're cutting through the matrix. You know, when you read this stuff, you get so fed up seeing the same repetitive agenda because these guys do keep repeating from a thousand sources to make sure we all get the same message at the same time that we've got to reduce the population drastically. And that's what really this whole greening idea and saving the planet from emissions and, and CO2 is all about. Because remember, the eugenic society, when it got a bad name after it was found out what was happening in Germany in World War II, uh, they changed their names many, many times. They still have it on the go, by the way, under different names based in Britain. But they also uh, went into the greening movement as a way to get their agenda through bring down the population, first bring up the green idea to the maximum, get lots of supporters, and then hit them with their real mission, which was to depopulate the planet from all the useless eaters, as I like to call them, those people who are no longer required for a modern high-tech society. We're not industrial now. China makes all the industrial. It's the manufacturer for the world, in fact. So anyway, that article here I'll put up with all the other links whether they talk about uh, bringing down the population, how she copied China. And I've told you years ago that the United Nations stated that China was the model state for the world to emulate or copy. And that's what you've got just out in the open now. They're openly talking about, talking about um, basically getting rid of the, the elderly in hospitals by euthanasia. They're having programs on it in Britain. I've, I've given the links for some of them where professors, again, come on with the pros and cons. But the whole idea is to get the idea into your head, to prepare you for it, so you'll accept it without any qualms, as long as it's happening to someone else. That's why. Now, I've seen the the hoopla and all the lies. I've given all the statements by top members of the IPCC and government officials, too, to do with the global warming scam. And Ms. McClellan from Canada who was in a few years ago, and the federal government said it doesn't matter if all uh, the data on global warming is wrong. She says, as long as this can be used, she says, we can use this for global equality, she said. So you understand there's always a political reason, a social reason behind something which they're not telling you. Everything's a front for something else, is what I'm saying. 
And of course, part of the scary scenario, as I read too, from the guy who said we always give them scary scenarios each time the, the big meetings come up, like the one at Cancun, uh, they, they tell you scary scenarios to terrify the life out of you so that you'll say, do something, do something, and they want to, to get everybody to sign on board that we give up all our rights to, to anything at all and allow ourselves to be supervised and post-consumer and all the rest of it down to austerity, which the banks help with too because they're all in it together, and to get you to living like peasants used to live as we die off. Only they won't leave you on the land. They want you crowded into the cities and dying off there. But here's what they're telling us now. After all the, 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 the ridiculous stuff they've come out with in the past, they threw a bone your way as they go on with the meeting. And this is a bone. This is to put you off guard. You think, well, I guess they're going to back off now. It says, alarmist doomsday warning of rising seas was wrong, says the Met Office study. Alarming predictions that global warming could cause sea levels to rise six foot in the next century are wrong. It has emerged. I'm glad something's emerging out this sea. The forecast made by the influential 2007 Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, that's the one headed by Paturi, who was a railroad engineer, uh, which uh, would have seen cities around the world submerged by water, now looks unlikely, they say. Un- well, it's, yeah, it's very unlikely. The Met Office study also rules out the shutdown of the Atlantic Ocean's conveyor belt, which would trigger Arctic winters in Britain like those seen in the film The Day After Tomorrow. It says, um, however, the report says the IPCC was right to warn of a sea level rise of up to two feet by two uh, by 2100, and that a three-foot rise could happen. Why, anything could happen. Isn't it wonderful? Any child can write anything on what could happen about anything. And you can't disprove it if it hasn't happened, you see. So it says the IPCC underestimated the danger posed by the melting of the Greenland ice sheet and the release of the methane from warmer wetlands, the report adds. So as they throw their bone to you, they hit you with all this other nonsense. And they're going much, much further than that, actually, because... They want to eventually take all your food under their wing. And they also, by bioengineering it, and they'll have the patents on it, of course, but they also want to do this with surgery. No kidding, this is is something, a comic book. Surgical anesthetic gases are coming under fire for causing global warming and having potential. Only one problem, they haven't been observed in the atmosphere at all. Doesn't matter, though. The net upward atmospheric radiance spectrum um, it shows you that the tropopause 22 dashed lines are Planck functions. And what shows you something here anyway? This is a press release below is from the University of Copenhagen Department of Chemistry. The anesthetic gases isofluorine, uh, desulfluorine, and sevofluorine are coming under scrutiny for global warming potential. Potential, right? However, that isn't stated in the press release. Uh, what is it says that what isn't stated in the press release is this important paragraph of the scientific paper. Here's the important part. There are no production numbers available in the literature for the anesthetic agents. The three compounds have not yet been observed in the free atmosphere, and current atmospheric levels are expected to be small of the order of part per trillion volume. All these concentrations, when viewed in isolation, their present uh, contribution to relative forcing of climate change is negligible in comparison with the current forcing of 1.7 watts per square meter due to CO2. Later, though, even though they admit they have no numbers on the production quality or quantity of these anesthetic agents and that the free compounds have not yet been observed in the free atmosphere, they use some swag to make this claim. 
Hence, we conclude that global emissions of inhalation anesthetics when measured by the 100-year GWP have a contribution to the the radiative forcing of climate change, which is comparable with that of the CO2 emissions. So here, they've done no tests at all, but in the end they tell you that it's actually comparable with that of the CO2 emissions from one coal power plants or approximately one million passenger cars. That's the stuff they call science. Understand there are thousands of these lying bums living on incredibly large grants that will be on the street looking for jobs if all this falls through. And these are the incredible lies that they're coming out with. But it ties in. It ties in with you getting used to the idea that your medical systems are going to be very minimalistic in the coming future. Countries like Britain are already finding that out as they slash and burn and slash and burn down to the bone. Remember what the United Nations said a long time ago that every country under its charter will have the right, everybody will have the right to the minimum, the bare minimum of health care. And it will be minimum indeed. And I guess we'll be back to putting a, a piece of um, rubber in your mouth or telling you to bite on a stick when they have to go in with the knife. Because that's where it seems to be going. Incredible, isn't it? So here they are, they haven't tested this stuff at all, and then later on they, they put a claim in that it's comparable with that of CO2 emissions from one coal-fired power plant, or approximately one million passenger cars. It says, gosh, more than a whole coal-fired f- uh, power plant, somebody tell China immediately so they can stop building two a week. See, under the, their treaties and the World Trade Organization, they don't have to bother about pollution at all, neither will India, Brazil, and elsewhere that the money has been sunk into by those who own all the money of the world. So there you go. And again, too, they used to say when I was small, you are what you eat. And to an extent, it's awfully true. We've been eating GMO uh, vegetables for God knows how long. It was 10 years in secrecy, apparently, before the public were told in Canada they were the guinea pigs. So how long was it really? We'll, we'll have no idea because they won't tell us. And um, the same thing's happening with meat too, with all the different growth hormones and stuff in it. But they've gone on to cloned cattle meat and milk. And this is what they say here. Cloned cattle meat and milk is now safe to eat. It's safe to eat. There you go. That's good enough for me, is it? It's good enough for you. And meat and milk from cloned cattle and their offspring is no different to conventional produce and is safe to consume the government advisors have said. It's amazing now, you know, we just get um, experts telling us everything, exactly what Russell said, that they would train the public, uh, that they must listen to experts and, and, and only do what the experts advise. That's happened. We already have a two or three generations grown up like that now. It says the recommendation could lead to food from cloned livestock being sold in shops. Well, I found out a few weeks back they had already done it. And no one had asked for a license to do it. They just got it into the food chain. It says the advisory committee on novel foods and processes processes said there was no evidence of any differences between produce from cloned animals and that from conventionally bred cattle. It was ordered to carry out the review after it emerged in August that milk and meat from the offspring of cloned cows had reached stores in the UK without a license. Responding to the findings, Andrew Wadge I wonder if that's a cloned wedge. Chief scientist at the Food Standards Agency said, in considering this hypothetical application, the ACNFP 
has confirmed that meats and milk from cloned cattle and their offspring show no substantial difference to conventionally produce. But probably no substantial difference. What differences are there, they're going to tell us? No substantial difference to conventionally produced meat and milk and therefore is unlikely to present a food safety risk. That's the same uh, statement they gave about Monsanto's food as, as modified crops. It's the same statement they gave, which meant that they don't have to test it. The committee said more evidence was needed to show how rearing animals in different environments may affect the meat and milk. So, that's on your your shelves now, too. You don't know what you're eating anymore, except it's not good for you, whatever it is, even the vegetarians, believe you me. And getting back to the art, really, the art of managing whole herds of people, because that's what they call us at the top, we're herds, you see. And in fact, in medicine, they actually call it that now, herd management, uh, when they come down to inoculations and so on. And herd inoculation is actually in the medical books, and I've read the articles from the papers when we had the SARS outbreak in Canada, or the phony SARS one, and they actually called it herd management. Uh, David Cameron spent £66,000 on TV coaching by Obama's body language expert during the election campaign. Now, people had professionals, again, people who are hypnotists. I think one guy put a site up. It was very, very good. He went through all the different gestures that Obama was making, and he was quite correct in, in recognizing that lots of it is the same stuff that stage hypnotists use on the audience. And Cameron was being trained, apparently, by Obama's, the same guy that taught Obama. And it cost £66,000. So it says here, uh, figures published by the Electoral Commission reveal that the Tories, as the Conservatives, spent twice as much as Labour during the election. Well, so what? I mean, the Conservatives' campaign cost £16.7 million, while Labour spent £8 million. Well, that's all, probably all nonsense anyway. I think they get a lot more than that from special interest groups. But David Cameron was prepared for his TV debuts by President Obama's body language expert, who flew over four times to advise the Tory leader. Detailed receipts show the Tories spend $66,333 hiring the Washington firm SKDK, or SDDK Knickerbocker, <laughs> to prepare Mr. Cameron for the debates, in which he was widely considered to have been bested by Liberal Democrat leader Nick Clegg. Consultant Anita Dunn, who advised President Obama on bonnet language, was part of the team flown to London four times to prepare Mr. Cameron. I can remember when Thatcher was in and Ronald Reagan sent his team over to, to remake uh, her. She used to talk with a high-pitched voice and she was coached to talk much lower and talk like that. You see? And uh, they did her, her hair for her. They showed her uh, how to stand, how to posture, all this kind of stuff. And it's used every time you see these guys. They're using a form of hypnotism on you. And, of course, really good salesmen are taught the same techniques. They'll stand like you, in fact. And it puts you at ease. You don't realize why you're at ease. It's because they're actually mirroring you and your gestures. You feel at home with those gestures. And that person will then con you into buying something. So all every trick in the book is used. Because, after all, you see, politics is just a show for the public that you must believe in. But they certainly don't run the world or the system or the country. They certainly don't do that. Carl Quigley said that every member at the top 
in all parliaments and Congress in the U.S., had always been a member of the Council on Foreign Relations. And before it was called the Council on Foreign Relations, it was actually born in the 1880s. Every president and prime minister is all a member of the same organization that answered to a higher authority, not the public. So I hope you understand that. Now, uh, there's an article here too, it's worth uh, mentioning and putting up on the site, cuttingthroughthematrix.com at the end of the show. Cancun Climate Conference, it says, The warmest last Mexican wave. The global warming scare was fun while it lasted, but the joke's over, said Christopher Booker. It says, If last week frozen behind a snowdrift you heard a faint hysterical squeaking, it might well have been the sound of those 20,000 delegates holed up behind a wall of armed security guards in the sun-drenched Mexican hauled resort of Cancun, telling each other that the world is more threatened by runaway global warming than ever. Between their tequilas and lavish meals paid for by the world's taxpayers, they heard how by 2060 global temperatures will have risen by 4 degrees Celsius, how the Maldives and Tavula are sinking below the waves faster than ever, and how the survival of salmon is threatened by CO2-induced acidification of the oceans, and how the UN must ban incandescent light bulbs throughout the world. (laughs) We're going back into the dark ages with them, folks. It says here, Scientists, we are told, are calling for everyone to be issued with a carbon ration card to halt all Western economic growth for 20 years. Meanwhile, Dr. Rajendra Pachuri, that's the railroad engineer, was telling us that we must spend hundreds of billions on covering the world's oceans with iron filings, on on building giant mirrors out in space, and on painting all the world's roofs white to keep out the heat from the sun. I think he should go back to his train driving, this guy. I wonder if he ever was on time, this guy, or even arrived at the right destination. It says, the most obvious thing about all this ritualized scaremongering is how stale it all was. Not one of these points hasn't been a cliche for years. The only scientist who believes we should all be issued with carbon ration cards is is, uh, Professor Kevin Anderson, who's been saying it since around 2004. It's only those same old computer models that predict that Tuvala and the Maldives are about to drown when real measurements show the sea around them and not to be rising at all. Far from the oceans acidifying, their pH currently ranges between 7.9 and 8.3, putting them very firmly on the alkaline side of the threshold, which is 7. It says the prediction that global temperatures will rise by 4 degrees in 50 years comes from that same UK Met Office computer, which five weeks ago was telling us we're about to enjoy a milder than average winter after three years when it has consistently got over every one of its winter and summer forecasts. Now, back after this break. We're back and we're cutting through the matrix. So I'll put these links up. Remember, cuttingthroughthematrix.com in about an hour's time or so, maybe two hours before it will be up there for you to see. And you can look at them up for yourselves and put the pieces together of this big, wonderful totalitarian system you're being guided along into, mainly through lies and deception. But that's good enough when they're all on board at the top. You'll tend to doubt yourself 
in your own reason. That's how it works so easily. And Orwell put that out so well with the bureaucratic class. He showed you how it works in 1984, for those who can still remember how to read. Now, there's a caller there, Kalel from North Carolina, on the line. Are you there, Kalel? Yeah, can you hear me, Alan? Yes, I can, yeah. Yeah, um, I, you know, I was reading The uh, Third Wave by Alvin Toffler, and he puts this new totalitarian uh, system, he uh, makes this analogous to the difference between the agricultural revolution versus the industrial revolution, mm-hmm. and uh, these things are so uh, different from each other. Um, you know, as I was reading this, I was wondering, you know, uh, is it even worth uh, avoiding this third wave, and um, mm-hmm. if I could just get your comments on what the third wave is, and you know, is it? Um, I, I believe that it is worth avoiding, but is it possible? Um, well, what it is, remember too, and who Toffler is. Toffler is one of the. He's he's more far left than Marx, but he believes in superior expert-run government worldwide, a global system. Uh, Newt Gingrich gave a copy of that book to every congressman on the House of the, the Congressional Steps a few years ago. And, um, and the third wave actually has one meaning that he gives out himself uh, to do with ripples as in a pond type idea, but it also is to do, it's a play on the third way that Plato talks about. It's a play as well on the Galian dialectic that uh, the third way comes out of the, the conflicts of the two opposing sides. And so they love those little plays amongst themselves. And that's really what it is. It's exactly what the Rees Commission talks about. It's what Lenin talks about, where he said the dictatorship of the proletariat would last maybe a generation or so, and eventually it would fade into something different, not quite capitalist, not quite communist. He was talking about a world socialist society, and that's exactly what they're bringing in. The socialist part of it and the bureaucratic part is to rear up a scientifically organized and run society that would serve them well over, over changing over a vast period of time, maybe 50 years or 100 years, to get the perfect small society to serve them, uh, but run by a scientific elite and that is what they claim is the heights of rationale, how things should be rationally run, not by emotions and not by uh, people, individuals with their emotions running rather than reason. As, as that's how they talk about the masses. And that really is what Toffler is all about. It's the blending of the two systems, a sort of communistic, bureaucratic system running the masses, but above that, uh, really a fascist elite. And that's what they're always aimed at. A long, long time ago, it's, it's all one movement. You understand, um, with no real opposing sides on it. Uh, they need the opposition to play the dialectic to get out the synthesis as they merge together and compromise. The compromise brings out a new thesis that starts it all over again. That's what the whole of Marx's doctrine of progression was based upon, and that's what they claim they're bringing us through—a forced evolution. Is what they claim they're bringing us through to how the world would naturally end up. But rather than wait for it happening, they make it happen instead. Yeah. I think that's the music, so that's the end of the show. My audio isn't so good tonight, and the telephones are pretty bad too. So from Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>